This episode is sponsored by Peak Sales Recruiting. If you're trying to find your next top performer and you know you're just wasting time digging through bad resumes, then visit peaksalesrecruiting.com slash Ian to learn how they can help. Hey, it's Ian Altman. I'm joined today by Craig Zawada. Craig is the Chief Visionary Officer of Pros, and these guys help organizations apply the latest technology to help customers drive incremental sales growth and profit. And prior to joining Pros, Craig was a partner and leader in the marketing and sales practice at McKinsey, and he's also the co-author of the book called The Price Advantage, which some people call one of the most pragmatic books available on pricing strategy. We're going to talk about the biggest mistakes people make when it comes to pricing, what factors you should look at to determine where your pricing might be need to be adjusted up and down, and how you can use technology to move the needle, and also how important timing is when it comes to pricing. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Craig Zawada. Craig Zawada, welcome to the show. Hi, Ian. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So share with our audience something surprising about you that they may not know. Oh, sure. Well, one thing a lot of people may not know is uh, they see me in my business life, but I have a, another life outside of doing pricing, which is um, I've been in the hunting business for about 20 years. So I've owned two hunting outfitting companies. So a lot of times I'll come back from a business trip and jump on a horse and take a client out uh, out hunting. So that's uh, something I've, uh, it's a passion and gives me a uh, reprieve from the, the business world. Well, and you live in that beautiful part of Canada. I mean, there's a lot of beautiful parts in Canada, but you live in that beautiful part um, that just, you know, it's just absolutely breathtaking and captivating. So I imagine, especially in the warmer months being outside, it's just um, kind of one of those places just can take your breath away. Oh, for sure. We like the cold too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if you want to be hunting when it's that cold. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, it's like it's like uh, it's like our joke is when someone calls up and says, "Hey, is Ian is Ian available to speak at this event in Winnipeg in January?" We don't even need to know. We don't need to know the actual date. He's not available <laughs> for anything in Winnipeg in January. <laughs> Calgary, Winnipeg, no, it's not oh. available in January. <laughs> yeah, it gets brutal for sure. Yeah, it gets a little tough for for someone who grew up in Southern California. I can't handle that. So, <laughs> so your expertise, obviously, Craig, is when it is in the area of pricing. And so, what's the biggest mistake you see organizations make when it comes to pricing, especially in that B two B world? So, you know, the the biggest mistake I see is. Um, Either companies don't spend enough time on pricing or they spend it in the wrong way. And so what I mean by that is if you look at the sensitivity of profits to price, uh, you know, a 1% change in price has a huge impact on the bottom line for any company. Uh, yet companies won't invest the time in getting pricing right. You know, they'll spend 30 engineers to take out a couple of pounds out of a car or um, and then when it comes to a a rebate, you'll slap $2,000 on a rebate on a, on a vehicle, just as an example. Um, so I think the first thing is companies don't invest the time and effort to get pricing right. And when they do invest the time and effort, often it's kind of controlling pricing. I want to make sure I don't you know, make big mistakes and control it as opposed to you know, figuring out customer willingness to pay and 
and to really um, apply science to it. And if you look at the companies that do pricing well and have invested over 20, 30 years, you know, those companies will say, well, we still have a far, a long way to go. So even the, the leaders that recognize the, the power of pricing know that you can, can almost never be too good at pricing. Sure. And, and I love that notion of, look, just the smallest change. My, my co-author of Same Side Selling, Jack Quarles, often points to, look, you know, hey, Ian can help grow your revenue. And a portion of that goes to the bottom line. But if I teach you how to buy a little bit more intelligently, then whatever you save is straight profit. Right. And so he always kind of rubs that in and pokes me uh, with a stick on that <laughs> issue. Um, and it happens to be true. I just don't like it. So, yeah. so how have things changed when it comes to pricing? And what can people do about it? So, you know, what we're seeing recently is, um, it's really in the last maybe two, three years, is quite a change in the the reason why companies need to focus on pricing. And what I mean by that is, you know, in the past, when I've been doing pricing over 20 years, uh, a lot of times that companies would kind of invest in pricing and do work in pricing, it was either, you know, the, the bridge was burning and they needed to do something uh, that was happening um, uh, or it was an acquisition or some other thing. There was some event that forced them to do pricing. And, and now, uh, companies are looking at the customers, which are really pulling them to make changes. So, you know, you look at the expectation of Amazon buying um, and they want prices right away. They don't want to negotiate price. Uh, they want quoting to be done very quickly. And and so, you know, now pricing is, is less about, hey, I need to solve a margin problem uh, or something else. It's about how do we respond to these changes in customer expectations? And unfortunately, not, a lot of companies aren't prepared for that. So they still have, you know, these arcane processes where if I want a price, I, you know, I see the list price and it's unreasonable. And I know I have to call someone and negotiate and get in this Texas standoff. And the fact is a lot of buyers are, are, are not willing to put up with that. If they don't see a fair price online, right now where they can transact, uh, then they're going to go somewhere else. And my, my guess, Craig, is that it's not just a matter of, oh, well, today you sell something for $1,000, but the right price for that is $850. It might even be something where you say, right now you're selling this one item for $1,000, and you're getting a lot of pushback. But if you combine this into a bundle with these two other things that are incredibly high margin for you, you could sell the combination for eleven hundred and nobody would flinch, right. but at eight fifty, it is too much work for the client to do. I mean, do you guys look at those sorts of things also? Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's you know what are the the patterns of buying? How are things combined together? Uh, there's lots of insight, and you know the um, the I guess the opportunity is that there's so much richness in that buying behavior. And this is, you know, what we find in doing the science around pricing that, um, you know, there's, there's just nuggets out there to there, those one and 2% improvements in pricing are absolutely out there because, you know, most companies they'll have 20 or 200 people negotiating pricing. And the problem is that all of those people are doing their own thing. You know, they have their own, experience and expectations. So they're bundling some things and they're negotiating other things. But, 
you know, uh, up until now, it's been hard to have systems to really pull all that information together to, to really find, hey, what are the patterns that are happening there? And, you know, if someone's online, what should be recommended to them as a bundle where it's going to increase the win rate and get you a higher margin percent. And so, you know, that's really the opportunity is how do you, instead of having, you know, individuals out there making all these decisions, how do you take that in and, and combine that and provide insights that's actionable uh, and apply that to pricing? Sure. And so uh, let me ask you this. Can you share with us an example without without, you know, violating anybody's confidentiality or, you know, showing the emperor has no clothes, but can you, can you share an example of kind of how somebody approached pricing, how a client of yours approached something and what kind of results they got by looking at things a little bit more intelligently? Sure. Yeah. I'll talk about one example and I can mention the name because they've shared it in public forums in their work with, uh, with us at pros, uh, and that's HP. And um, Hewlett Packard, and we've we've worked with them in a number of areas, but I'll talk about their enterprise sales business. So HP in the past, they would do, uh, whenever a a deal would come in and they sell through resellers. So if you're a a corporation and you you need servers or laptops, you typically go to a reseller who then distributes that quote out to HP and Dell and other companies. And um, what HP found is that, you know, first of all, their prices were all over the map. So at any point in time on a particular server combination, there was wide variation. And all of these deals, they would go to the reseller, then the reseller would look at HP's list prices, knowing that it's unreasonable. So then it would go through this bid desk, and the bid desk would run financial analysis, look at comparables, they would go back and forth with the reseller to give them a price. And what HP found in in talking to resellers is that they were increasingly not happy with with how long it would take for HP to quote. And they did some analysis on this, and they found that if they didn't quote within two hours, their win rate dropped by 40%. So 40% reduction in win rate if they didn't quote within two hours. And unfortunately, they had this arcane process for pricing of approvals and analysis that took them in most cases, longer than two hours, in some cases, weeks to get get back to quotes. And so HP said, you know, this is enough. We have to solve this issue. And they did a time and motion study and found that 68% of the time of quoting was pricing. And so, you know, HP looked at it and they said, well, it's not about uh, getting additional margin or revenue associated with it. It's really about responding to this need for speed uh, which was kind of new for them. They, you know, they, they their resellers put up with it for many years, and so so we worked with them uh, in, a, in a, installing systems to help in pricing. And where they moved from in the past, almost all deals would go through a deal desk. They had three tiers: they had no touch, low touch, and high touch. So still, about fifteen percent or twenty percent of their deals were high touch. You know, these were multi you know, tens of millions of dollar deals that did require that in-depth analysis. But about um, 80 to 85% of their deals moved to a a low or no-touch type of approach where what they did is they used uh, the pro science to understand what's the customer willingness to pay. So what's the region, what's the type of customer, what's the configuration, what's the combination of products. And then that would give a fair price 
out there that could be transacted upon. And so um, they, they did this. They found and captured over 200 basis points of opportunity, which was huge for them. The, the business case was built on only about 25 basis points, and they got almost 10 times that uh, from improvement. And so, you know, I think it's a good idea about, you know, it's, it's, it's not necessarily, you know, it's, it's important to be smart about pricing and apply the science to it. But what's driving it in a lot of cases is meeting this new expectation of, of speed and intelligence that customers expect. And, and so the resellers loved it because it was much quicker. And uh, they even told them after that they, they wouldn't even send quotes to HP that they needed to be done quickly prior to that. Uh, because of this arcane pricing process. So in their case, it's a combination of, yes, you have to know what the realistic, reasonable price is, but if it took you a week to get there, by the time you get it back to them, the reseller says, yeah, that's that's a reasonable price, but the client made a purchase decision three days ago. Exactly, exactly. You know, And we still see that a lot nowadays with, you know, especially B2B companies where, you know, companies will either not have prices online or the ones that they do are just unrealistic. And, um, you know, I think the increased expectation of consumers and, you know, those people that buy on Amazon and elsewhere, they are also the same people at work. And, and then you have the younger generation coming in that, you know, they don't want to talk to anyone. They don't want to negotiate back and back and forth. Um, and so, you know, that's going to drive a lot of the changes in in pricing that uh, we see going forward. Yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting thing. I often say to people, look, if you don't think that Uber and Amazon are impacting your business, then I know as a consumer, if I order something and I can't track it from the moment I place the order, I lose confidence and faith in the vendor. And right. the only reason I have that expectation is because if I call for for an Uber – I know exactly where that vehicle is when it's coming to me. If I order something on Amazon, you know, I can tell, you know, I can, I can, I'm pretty sure I can click and find out what brand of shoe and shoe size the delivery guy is going to be wearing when he gets here. (laughs) So, I mean, I love the fact that I don't don't know if you've seen this now in our area, when they leave something on the front door now, they take a picture of it that shows, yeah, this is at your front door because people were starting to file claims saying, oh, this wasn't here. And so they're literally like, now you get a delivery notice that says, this was delivered and here it is on your front step. And what <laughs> blows me away is I'll get that notice. I'll be at home in my office and I'll get the notice as I'm seeing the driver drive away. And it's almost like, you know, I'm waiting for one time to get a notice where it's like my shoe is in the frame picking up the package. <laughs> like, you know, and I just think that that expectation about, I need it now. I need it right away is something that sometimes gets lost on us. And people will say to me, well, but my competitors don't do that. I said, yeah, but you're not being compared necessarily against your competitors. You're being compared against everybody else. Yeah. That, that absolutely has as an experience. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think, you know, the other thing is consumers and B2B buyers are okay with, you know, algorithms recommending which products they should be buying, you know, which um, there's been research. I think it was Bain or BCG did some research that buyers actually prefer algorithm setting price versus negotiating with a human salesperson because they have more confidence that at least it's fair and market market based. And so, 
you know, I think these are expectations that are changing. The same with variable pricing. You know, a lot of a lot of companies were worried about well, we can't you know, change prices all the time because consumers or buyers wouldn't be okay with that. Well, now it's sort of expected. Yeah, <laughs> it's expected that it's going to be variable. And so, you know, I think a question for a lot of companies is, you know, are you prepared for a more dynamic, quicker pricing process? And unfortunately, a lot of them built these pricing groups where it was about, okay, I'm trying to audit control, you know, so I don't make a mistake. And in, in, in the meantime, they've kind of created all kinds of speed bumps that slows down the process. Yeah. Next thing you know, the pricing committee becomes the vice president of business prevention. Like they just figure out a way to <laughs> yeah. become the obstacle to every deal. So what are some things that companies can do today that would make a huge impact. And before you answer that, let me give a second for people to hear about our sponsors. The top performing salespeople and leaders you're looking to hire for your team aren't looking for a job right now. They are totally content crushing their numbers for somebody else. The folks at Peak Sales Recruiting will identify those amazing candidates and help them understand why they'd be happier working for you than for somebody else. Visit PeakSalesRecruiting.com slash Ian to learn more. All right, Craig, so we're back. And so what are the things that, that smart B2B companies can do today to start getting a better handle on their pricing strategy? So there's a few things, Ian, that I would suggest is, first of all, you know, do some benchmarking of where you are in terms of your pricing relative to the competition that's out there. And, and I love that, that push that you gave, you know, maybe don't just compare yourself to the, your media competition, but others in, you know, adjacent industries like industries on what they're doing as far as online pricing around online quoting configuration and, and kind of benchmark yourself on the speed that you have, you know, and if you find that, uh, you have a large percentage of your transactions that are going through these long, arduous processes, then, you know, I think that's a red flag and you should, you know, put some goals in place to reduce that um, in in place there. Um, the second thing I would get a handle on is look at your price variation that's out there. So for like customers and like products, you know, how much variability do you have out there in pricing in your current process? And so often uh, that points to opportunity. If you've got salespeople out there negotiating, if you have um, the, uh, a deal desk that has to approve prices, you know, how, how good are they actually doing at maintaining some consistency in pricing? And that, that often forms the business case for investment of, okay, if we can improve this, we can tighten these bands. That, that's sort of the improvement that, that I can make. And so I, I would say the first thing is is really look at the speed of quoting and how much pricing is impacting that. And then also look at the quality of, of the prices that you have out there and, and where is there an opportunity for, for improvement. Too often when I'm talking to people, they'll say to me, oh, well, well, so here's the way we price stuff. But it, it depends on our reps because these two reps tend to sell things at, at this higher price. And these other three reps tend to sell at a lower price. And I say, okay. So let me guess, do, do the reps have the authority to change the pricing? And sometimes they do. And other times it's just, well, these reps feel that no one will buy unless the price is lower. And these other reps are really good at maintaining price integrity. And it's funny because before you ask the question, they don't even realize 
that they're just giving away margin because people don't have the right information or the right skills. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing I would you know add to my list there is, you know, if, if you still are in, in the mode of negotiating price is look at what are the tools that you actually give to inform that. So is it, is it, you know, one salesperson out by themselves, you know, alone, you know, or are you giving them guidance of, Hey, here's the prices for like deals in your region for like size products, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, because that's the other thing is the, the frontline enablement, um, is is very important in pricing and and it kind of goes back to early on i was saying is how are you how are you using the collective experience of the whole company you know it amazes me a lot of companies they'll have a thousand salespeople, but there are a thousand individuals you know how are you how are you using the collective wisdom of everyone out there to say hey in this region for this type of deal here's the best practice and price here's the guidance that you should be giving on how you the margin or price you should be getting in that um, in that environment. Yeah, there's there's an organization I remember working with on their their selling skills, and the issue they had was that they felt that people were discounting too much, and on average, they felt people were discounting um, about two and a half percent more than they should or needed to. And everyone had a different excuse and explanation. We, we, what we actually did with them is we did a workshop where we put everyone together and said, so I want you to compare buying from you to comparing to buying from your competitors. And what's that experience like? And let's forget about your products. Let's say you were buying something for yourself and you had the two different experiences. So which one would you rather do? And people said, oh, I'd rather have the experience that we have. Would you pay more for it? Yeah, absolutely, because we provide all this additional detail and tracking and and support and service. Okay, and all it was, the whole training was getting them to understand that they actually offered better value than anybody else, and it cut their discounting virtually to zero, from two, so from 2.5% to zero. And it's a company that was doing – over a hundred million dollars a year. So all of a sudden it's like, yeah, we made this small investment and now we save two and a half to $3 million a year just by being a little bit more intelligent and having our reps understand this is the right pricing. And I'm sure you're giving them data. So the rep can say, Oh, that is the right price. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I would add something to that Ian is what we find is being smart about who you look to as best pricers is important. And what I mean by that is often companies will look at, okay, where's the highest margin sellers? And the problem with that is you know, every salesperson has a different mix that they're selling to, different type of customer, different set of products. And so what we do is we look at a um, what's the price relative to what everyone else is doing on an apples-to-apples basis. So if you're selling food, you know, what are it's not just comparing all of your, your margin – it's the margin if you're selling to a pizza restaurant, other pizza restaurants in that area. And so what we often find is those salespeople that are often, you know, highest um, sales revenue or highest margin aren't necessarily the people that are good at selling that value and sticking with price. And, and often there's some nuggets there of people that just, you know, they may be they may have a low margin, but they're selling the commodity products in high volume and they're still doing extremely well. Why? Because they're doing the things that you're talking about of you know, knowing what the differentiators are. 
And so I think being smart about it, you know, what is an apples to apples comparison on pricing performance is, is very important when you, when you look to those, those kinds of insights. So basically for people, if they think through, look, you want to benchmark your timing, look at similar products, bundles, things like that. And then what's your variability when it comes to pricing? Um, is there anything else that people can really do to get a handle on and know whether or not they, uh, what I'm thinking is this, there's some people who probably have no idea that they have a problem right now. Yeah, exactly. And you know, there, there are some, some ways, I mean, it varies by industry. If there's public companies, you can look at, you know, margin performance, um, you know, relative to peers that are out there often, you know, competitors may talk about on earnings calls of investments they're, they're you know, they're making and the pricing discipline. A lot of companies are, are doing that nowadays. Uh, some are even reporting, you know, changes in price performance. So, you know, you could, if you've got some public competitors, uh, look, you know, very closely at what they're reporting in terms of margin and, and pricing performance. Um, you know, that's the first thing. I think, you know, the other things that we talked about is it's really looking at the customer of how, you know, why are you winning and losing? How much of it is price versus other things? Um, and like I said, increasingly these expectations around speed, you know, that's something that I, I think it's going to creep up on a lot of companies that, you know, when they've got these slow processes, all of a sudden, you know, even in, you know, HVAC, you know, some industrial business, one of the players is going to get really smart about it and they're going to start winning additional business. And so I think um, that's important. And just give you an example of this. Uh, there's a glass company, a 300-year-old glass company, and you think construction selling glass for showers. And if, when, if you were a construction contractor to buy glass in the past, you would have to you know, write down the measurements, call a bunch of suppliers, find out availability pricing, you know, and then order. Um, what um, one of our uh, customers did is they have now an app on, you can have it on an iPhone, an iPad, anything, where on the job you can go and specify the type of glass, get availability and pricing, click a button, put in your order right away. You know, and that's it's kind of a construction, industrial business, but they have now a huge advantage to other players because you don't want to go back to the office and send, you know, send out for quotes. Your time is is money now. And and the ability to do that. So I think that's especially companies should be benchmarking those types of things, how how your pricing practices are really impacting the customer experience. Well, see, Craig, you're hitting home for me now. We did a renovation a few years back with this huge panel of glass. I just remember the general contractor. It was like literally 10 days had passed. And I said, so how much is the glass? Well, I'm still waiting on quotes from people. And I said to him, well, are you calling people who have done this before? Because my impression was anybody who can't get us the information right away, this must be foreign territory for them. Maybe they don't right. understand what they're doing. And it was just they had some draconian practice, I'm sure. But I never thought about it until our discussion here today. And I mean, it definitely made an impact because the people who are on top of their game, they know what it costs. And the people yep. who it takes a long time, maybe they don't know or maybe they just have outdated procedures but either way, probably leaves a, bad, leaves a bad impression for the client. Yeah, and people are willing to pay for that speed. You know, you're you, you don't. I think a lot of companies have this idea that everyone wants to you know shop and get the lowest price. 
in most cases, they're not. You know, think in your case, if and CEB did some research on this a year or so ago, they found that a buyer's purchase more than 50% of the time from the company that quotes first. So think about that. If you could quote first, you're going to win over 50% of the deals on average that are coming there. I, I think that's very powerful. And if you think of, you know, where can you get pricing? Well, pricing is now part of the brand that you offer. And it's not just about your level of price. It's your speed and your ease of doing business. I think that's a new thing for a lot of companies and, you know, to think about and are they prepared for that? Yeah. So, so Craig, what's the best way for people to learn more about you and to connect with you online? Uh, sure. You can reach out if you want to find out more about what we do at pros. It's uh, www.pros.com. And uh, if anyone has any specific questions for me, my email is Craig Zawada or C Zawada at pros.com. So C Z A W A D A at pros.com. Awesome. And if you want to go hunting with Craig, well, then use a different email address altogether and we'll, we'll have everything linked up in the show notes. So Craig, thanks for opening our eyes when it comes to um, pricing. And I guess we'll have you back in the future to talk about hunting. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Ian. All right. Thanks, pleasure. Craig. If you like this podcast, even the littlest bit, reviews on iTunes always help, and we so appreciate when you do that. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key information I think you can use and apply to your business right away. First, remember that timing becomes essential, and I love how Craig shares that, look, there's maybe 15% of your opportunities are high-touch, but... There's 80% of them that can be low or no touch, and automated pricing can help. People have the Amazon mentality, which means I'm going to get the information right away, and if I don't give you information right away, then maybe I'm not going to buy from you. Remember, Craig's advice is to benchmark, or again, similar products, bundles, and speed. Look at your price variation, and then see how much your purchases are price-dependent, and you can make an, an adjustment in your business. Remember, this show gets the direction from you, the listener. If there's a guest you think I should have on the show or a topic that we should cover, just drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everyone can embrace, even your customer.